Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, offering quality live programming with holistic, spiritual, psychic, and metaphysical hosts. Shall I play the opening and just trust that I can't can't hear myself? Okay. Well, we love technical difficulties. Let's go. Welcome to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Straight talk, enthusiastic support, and heartfelt encouragement for you to open up to your sacred sexuality. And now your host, Leslie Blackburn. Ah, so you think I'm understanding that you all can hear me now, and I still can't hear you. So we're going to continue for just a moment with me checking to see how I can fix this so that I can actually hear that the show's happening. Hello, hello, now can I hear? Speakers, no, microphone, hello, hello, and built-in output, wow, this is really, oh, Ah! hello, yes, there we are, okay, the technical difficulties I think have been resolved. And now we're going to settle in. Ah, thanks for hanging in. Those of you joining us today on this sweet day, kind of a cool morning here in September in ah, Michigan. And just to take a breath and invite myself to settle and each of us to settle. We're going to start as we always do this being a show of sacred sexuality and consciousness and really getting a chance to explore deeply who we are and listening to the body. We're going to explore and open in that realm today in a moment as we first settle in with what's going on in our bodies right now and get a chance to arrive. So taking a moment to be here now. To ah, maybe exhale with a little sound. Notice the body. Hmm. Notice the breath. And notice Ah, if there's a lot of forward-upward energy right now, which I know for me there certainly was as I was landing with you all today, what's it like to drop rearward and downward? Ah, to feel your body in relationship with the seat that you're on, the chair, or wherever you're lying or standing And make any little adjustments you need to increase your sense of support. What would feel really good to feel supportive and comfortable? And then take a moment to scan down through your own midline as a curiosity of creating length and space for the amazingness of you to be here in you. What's it like to notice the crown of the head and the centers of the brain behind the eyes? And the roof of the mouth, the throat, the space behind the heart. Oh, yeah, there's space back there. Down through the diaphragm into the upper belly. Down into uh, the lower belly and the pelvic bowl. 
the pelvic floor, creating space, length, feeling your pelvic floor, your sit bones, leg bones in the hip sockets, knees, lower legs, heel bones, soles of the feet, tips of each toe, acknowledging your roots from your feet and from your pelvic floor to really spiral down through the structures you're seated on, through any spaces below that, through the foundation, and deep down, feeling into the direct soil of the earth. Direct connect down into the soil, wherever you are, whether that's right directly on the soil, or even if you're in a structure. Feel your roots down in the soil, past the water table, and into the deep central core of the earth, wrapping around the core. Breath of gratitude for this connection. Thank you, thank you. And a breath of gratitude for our support, our guides, letting yourself gently widen to notice the orientation you have in space. Which direction in your world is east right now? And from there, the south and the west, the north, above, below, and within your own body. Feeling gratitude and calling in our ancestors, those well and kind and vibrant and resourced, who know this work, who know the ways of right relationship with the planet, with each other, calling in our witchy ones, our queer ones, the ones who know the power of sexual healing and connection, and just feeling the support of a pillar of light around you. We all have ancestors in vibrant condition. Sometimes, for some of us, that's pretty far back, and that's okay. Trusting that they can step in, they can hold a boundary and support as we rest into that care and do the work to offer, frankly, our healing and repair in our bloodlines, in our bloodline ancestry. So asking for that support now. Thank you, thank you to continue to help guide me and guide each of us on this planet in healing and connection because I believe that is what we need right now in these times. So taking a breath with that gratitude to feel that support that you have. Ah. We so all right, y'all. Technical difficulties, just another thing in the times is what I got to say. We are in some serious times right now. This is the first time I have done a live show since June for many reasons. And um, what we, you know, so the, this is like, let's just say it, we're in it. We are in a world right now where things are in major upheaval and shift the very structures of our existence are being asked to change. And that can feel really hard. Um, And it can feel really hopeful. And what I want to invite in this show is a sense of hope. And that is, I want to start with a quote, we need to create an environment, a habitat for hope. And this is Irene Washington, who is, I just saw speak at a local uh, rally, a march to support justice for Jacob Blake. And Irene is running for Ipsy Township judge, the 14B district court judge. And she, as she spoke, I heard her say those words, creating a habitat for hope, an environment. But as she sat with this, as she sat with her connection with her source, with God, with divine, what was the message that she felt called to share? And that was it. And it really resonated. And it resonated because what it says is we're creating an environment and a space together. This is us as a community to create that space together so that we can make change. And that I believe that's what's being asked of us in all of the stuff that's happening. Because let's, let's just name a few of the things, right? We're in a global pandemic and have been. We are at a time of some of the 
biggest racial and social justice awareness. Like the injustices that have been happening, happening racially and socially aren't anything new, but what's happening is they're coming out of some of the more hidden spaces and being seen like thanks to the internet, thanks to community who can be able to record and put these things out in the world. It is touching everyone's lives instead of sitting in that place where a lot of people do. And I'll just say I have in the past and I know my family has in the past of like, Oh yeah, I don't really have to look at that. It doesn't really touch me. So it's, it's dipping into each little nook and cranny and crevice and not allowing people to just close their eyes and look away. And we can still try. Don't get me wrong. And I think a lot of people are, but there is hope because more and more and more people are waking up to see what's really going on. So racial and social social injustices coming to light. We're having major climate crisis coming to light. We're having fires burning unprecedented, even for over last year in California and Washington and Oregon and Colorado. And to me, what all of this says is we can't keep going the way we were going. We have to make a change. And that means discomfort. And that means like, pain. And while I wish pain on no one, what I do also see is that when we're in a place where we have the privilege of being able to have like resource our bodies in a way that we can like expand our capacity, and I believe we all have this capacity, we can start to make change in our own beings, in our family lines, and then you know, extending that into our communities and each other and culture. And as we do, like, it's the relational space. I mean, to me, the power of sacred sexuality, so bringing it back to that, sacred sexuality, the very topic of this program, is feeling safe to be authentically who you are and express who you are and share and trust that power, that power of the, the bigness of vitality moving through you and make choices to create safe spaces and be in consensual um, interaction and relational space to share that with other beings. So being authentically who you are and feeling safe to express, like without that, sexuality is a pretty thin soup. So being authentically who you are and feeling safe to express This happens through relational space, relational space with our own selves, our own bodies, and each other. And if we can't hold a space for for folks to be who they are, um, that's where, you know, the traumas happen in the relational space too, right? So this relational space, this is this field that we create, whether it's, wow, we just are standing six feet from someone at a grocery store, socially distanced and caring for that space and maybe just a nod and moving on. It can be that simple, but we created a relational space there. There was a field. Or maybe we're deep into uh, a lovership and we're sharing sexuality and intimacy and touch and connection, and, and we can call that a relational space. Absolutely. Maybe we're... Um, in a space of love holding our newborn daughter and nursing her. Oh, gosh, that was such a sweet time for me. That's a relational space. So relational space doesn't just mean like our intimate romantic partners. It's any time we're creating an intentional, you know, or, or unintentional. It is a relational space. We're standing next to a person or we're noticing a person. Like that is a relational space. So how we hold that and how that um, shapes is huge because a lot of our traumas that we're dealing with are in the relational field. And so the healing of those traumas happen through creating a safe relational field. So we can come back and heal things that happened in the relational field by actually coming back into the relational field in a new way and inviting it to go a different way. And that's the power of sacred sexual healing. It's the power of holding space in many modalities in my biodynamic cranial sacral therapy, for example, it's all about can we plug in as a practitioner and hold a safe relational field 
for what is available, what's ready in the body to be seen and met, and, and to go a different way. So it's powerful. And what's also true is there is a lot of trauma, and we are still seeing and living in a place of racial injustice and white supremacy that's, that's been sort of um, woven into our very fabric in such a way it's really hard to see sometimes. And there's still many people who don't see it. So the way through this, I believe, is to start to wake up to see it and to heal and to mend and to work with the relational field as a way to support each other. And so that comes back to this sense of hope. We need to create an environment and a habitat for hope. So what I want to talk about and how to do that is to be a little vulnerable in my own learning as I talk about ancestral healing. I've been in my own journey with that and learned and started to see a lot of the what I'll call poisons or burdens of my family and then the blessings or you know, and the antidotes, the way I can meet the things that were sort of these false lessons and really invite them to be transmuted into things that are really of service. And we all have both, right? There's there's goods and bads, so to speak, or, you know, really intense things and very happy, supportive, joyful things in all of our lives. So it's like finding and connecting with the medicine in that. What's, what can we offer? What can we learn through as we, as we explore our own self? So I want to touch on that um, a little bit more after we take a short break. Listening live to Body Mind Spirit Radio. Today is Tuesday, September 15th, 2020, and you are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. To talk with Leslie live on the air, give us a call at 646 378 0378. That number again is 646 378 0378. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Thank you, my love. The relational space. So, as we're holding the space for hope, like how do we create an environment for hope? Um, I'm going to talk about it in a couple ways. First is... um, I'm going to bring, I want to bring in some of the medicine of my people. <laughs> so in my journey with all of this, and as I woke up to my whiteness and the racial injustice that really is woven in our culture that I couldn't see, I spent most of my life just not seeing that. Oh, yeah, there's racism, but it's like, it's like the severe KKK style racism, you know, and, and I'm not a part of that, so I'm not a part of the problem. Um, you know, as I, I walk in white skin, right? So I'm a white person walking in this world, but I didn't see, you know, and, and waking up in my spirituality and opening to lots of, you know, sort of um, more progressive views. So as a sort of progressive viewed white person walking in the world, I just thought, oh, I'm doing all the right things. I'm one of the good ones. I, I'm not part of the problem. And then it was only literally like maybe two years ago that uh, a little over maybe two years ago that I started to go, oh, like a couple events happened and I went, whoa, and I had like this racial awakening of the way in which whiteness and white supremacy is in my body and it's in all of our white bodies, frankly. Um, And it's just speaking for me, like it's in me and how can I see and witness when it shows up and make really conscious changes and offer reparations and, and to do it in the way where I'm not just creating more trauma, where I'm not just flooding um, the system or other people, especially other people in black or brown bodies with like my own fragility or my own like, oh my gosh, I'm so guilty about this and how do I do better? 
sure, sure that shows up. Sure, I felt that. And I did my best to sort of seek out and work with the tools, the white, me and white supremacy workbook, I'll name as a tool, Leila Saeed, thank you, me and white supremacy workbook. Look it up, Leila Saeed, S-A-A-D. Um, that, uh, and then also My Grandmother's Hands by Resmo Menekum, um, M-E-N-A-K-E-M, Resma Menekum. And um, literally started to do this work with some fellow white folks of like, whew, this is in here. It's in our bodies. How do we unpack it? How do we, whew, right? And in that journey, I went, oh my gosh, ancestral healing was like ringing and zinging in. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, oh, I don't even want to talk about my family. Like, I don't, I had rejected my biological family. I don't have ancestors that are caring. Like, what do you mean at a, at a high level, right? And so, um, and I'm not alone in that. I know there are many of us, and especially many of those in, of us in white bodies who have a lot of shame around our own people's heritage, and I was doing everything I could to actually leave it. And what can I do to move away and change my ways and do these different things? And don't get me wrong, like, I don't have any regrets about doing the things that I've done in that realm. I want to add to it. Like, okay, I learned skills and I, I knew, learned new things. I'm the first person, you know, I'm the first generation uh, college uh, educated person in my family. And so, like, to to make those changes is, was a positive thing for me. And I relied really heavily on um, other spiritual traditions and paths, the yogic tantric path, Native American shamanism, Egyptian sexual alchemy. These are really important pieces that have woven into my work. And I acknowledge them as not part of like my Native people's path. So how can I meet both and, right? And, and I realized, well, it starts with, I better start to get curious about my own people. And again, you know, I was like, ah. Oh. And I had already done sort of some of that piece of work with, with like just my near ancestors and my live family, because, you know, I still have live family, um, as well as those who have made the transition into the other realm and into the ancestor realm. And as I met the work of Daniel Four, um, I started to really resonate with this idea that not all the dead are equally well, and we can meet well-vibrant, resourced guides, even if it means going back several thousand years, in our own actual bloodlines. That's a big deal. And so I started to get curious and follow the journey. And that's quite a, no, its own story itself may come out in pieces as we go. But I'll say this, in that journey, I started to feel so relieved that I was asking the questions and going into these places and getting curious and meeting and connecting with actual support in my bloodlines. And do I mean in live waking 3D conversation relationships? Sort of, but not directly. It started with this sort of ancestral work, the spiritual realm, the, the, the ritual work, the work that I was doing in the realm of the other. That's where it started. And did it start to change what's happening in the 3D place of relating with my family? Yes, it is starting. I, I bet it will continue. I'm going to just trust that. Um, there are still changes I hope for and wish for and care for because I really care about um, the relational field and the way we can care for each other. And there's ways in which I haven't felt that um, in my family. Um, and I'm staying open to how can I be of service in that repair. So what I, what I want to say about that for now is some of the medicine that I noticed in my family. And what is medicine? You know, medicine in the plant world, when we're talking about medicines, medicines are really poisons. It's, um, you know, if we think of like even something like simple, like mint, mint in a, in a really high, like if we really steeped mint in large amounts for a long time, it would taste horrendous because it really kind of becomes this sort of poison. Um, with mint, you just want to kind of touch in and get the 
little bit of the, you know, a five-minute steep, and you get this lovely the flavor of the oils, and then it's actually a medicine, and it can be of service. But too much can create a poison, just like even water. Right? Water in the right amounts and in the right context is life-giving and life-requiring, but water can also create death, you know, and, um, and it can be uh, wrathful. <laughs> so anything in its appropriate relational space that can be a medicine and can be a poison. And some have different levels of that than others. And so what I started to see in my own life and in my family, some of the poisons, the things that I felt like I learned were, oh, don't talk about it. Like, just don't even talk about it. What I'll call white silence as it comes into that. But if I just talk about my family, like, don't talk about it. Don't ask questions. Be sure you have it right before you say anything. So, like, shut up, be quiet, be small. Don't actually express who you are or put anything into the world until you really are sure you've got it right. And don't make mistakes. Like, there was no room for mistakes. You better, it's, it better be right. And, you know, how did I learn those things? I don't know. You know, different. Maybe sometimes it was overtly told to me. Maybe it's sometimes my own shy self just taking it on from the world around me. Um, but those were really these things that I took on as these sort of poisons of like, don't talk about it. Don't ask questions. Be sure I have it right before I say anything. Don't make mistakes. And I know I'm not alone. So what's happening, I think, in the world right now around social racial justice and many white folks starting to see this, maybe for the first time, it can feel overwhelming. You can feel really guilty. You can feel like ashamed. And it can be really easy to just continue that path of like, don't talk about it. Don't ask questions. Don't say anything unless you got it all right. And so now we just swim in this pit of like actually not getting anywhere with, you know, it, it can be debilitating, demobilizing. You know, we get, we get caught in a freeze response. And don't get me wrong, like a freeze response, this is the other thing. So the, the, the medicines in this, like if I look at that with compassion and say, how did those things come through? And I go, oh my gosh, I'm looking at my ancestral lines and I'm seeing, wow. Look at what my people had to, to be with or witness or experience in their lives. And their only way through was like, let's not talk about it. It's behind us. Don't look at it. Let's move forward. Try to make a new life. Let's try to, you know, let's leave this horrendous situation and come into a new situation and do our best. But, oh, in the new situation, we have to fight in these ways. And maybe now we do things that we don't feel so good about again. So it's like this continued what's called moral injury. Um, and this just then what do we do? What do we do? Oh, just don't talk about it. Ignore it. Try to move on and make a better life. So I see where it came from. But what we're doing when we do that, when we ignore it and just keep shoving it away and don't talk about it and let's make a better life, is we're blowing through the dirty pain, as Rezma Menachem talks about it. He talks about clean pain and dirty pain. And we're blowing through the old trauma. Like if we just look, my people, for example, came from England, Germany, likely Ireland, I haven't honed in on that one yet, Scotland, and like the Netherlands, those areas of the globe, and came over to North America through like Port Philadelphia, I know for sure, and other ports along the East Coast, and then colonized and landed in places like Pennsylvania and Ohio. And frankly, in most of my lines, for like the past eight or nine generations, my people have been here as farmers and laborers in the, the uh, Midwest of what became the Midwest U.S. after colonization, right? And um, that they're part of colonizing. We were colonizers. So what, I, um, what Resma talks about with dirty pain, what I started to look at is like, what was it like in England in those days? What was it like in those areas? And like, if we look back in the eras of time, of the 1600s, of the 1500s, 1400s, like Middle Ages Europe, 
white people were doing really freaking horrendous things to white people. It was before white was even a construct, so it wouldn't have been named that. Um, white, the whole idea of white and black came in much later as sort of this racial construct around colonization, frankly. Um, to look back at those and go, well, no wonder people wanted to leave England. You know, England was still doing public executions, like up until I think I think in my research I saw it was literally like 1863 before England actually made it illegal to publicly hang people. So like, yay, let's all grab popcorn and go hang out at the local knoll where people are going to be hung as their entertainment source. Like, this is what white people were doing. <laughs> or they were either perpetrating and creating it or witness to it or or maybe trying to ignore it because it felt so horrible, but they couldn't understand why it felt horrible because everybody was sort of into it. And it just, it makes no sense to me. And yet this is what's in our bodies. So (sighs) inviting a breath, because that's all a lot. The antidote to these things is to slow down and to listen and to honor what our body needs. Do we need a breath? Like even in this moment, as we've just talked about all these things and lifted up um, the energy of this field, right, that you and I are here in, whether you're listening live or listening in the archives, we're creating a field together. So let's take a moment to come back in our bodies. Ah, Make a little sound. Maybe join me with a little bit of humming, like, So that what we're doing becomes a place of settling, learning ways and tools to settle and soothe our bodies, not to ignore, but to resource, to go, oh, now I can be present for the discomfort this brings. Because I don't know about you, but I can tell you for me, the discomfort this brings in my past meant I would do my best to ignore it, sweep it on a rug, and not talk about it. So to do the work that says this is important, we can't sweep it away. We're going to heal and transmute and clear that dirty pain. And instead of blowing it through the next generation, or our brothers and sisters, or the beings around us in our community. We're going to meet that own discomfort in our own bodies, chew away the layers of ego that are showing up when we realize that we're a part of the problem too, and ah, transmute it. So that instead, we're meeting this discomfort as clean pain, as, okay, these are my edges that I can have to grow, and... Now I don't repeat the same patterns and I can actually maybe learn new ways. For me, that looked like slowing down, listening, taking time. If you're you're seeing this for the first time, stop talking. Just listen. Look up and actually seek black voices talking about this topic. Watch them. Listen to them. Let the emotions they may be experiencing be theirs and let them be. Can you witness and simply hold a compassionate space and just notice how it rises in your body? Listen. And then when it feels available, ask questions. Talk. Hey, I don't think, I don't know what to do. I'm not doing, you know, I don't know what's perfect, but just get curious. Ask questions of yourself first. Get curious about your body. What's your body having to say as you notice different experiences? There's lots of practices in terms of the asking of questions of yourself. Look at Layla Saeed's work. She has the best questions to ask yourself. So start there. And then, you know, open in community. Reach out with fellow white folks, especially at first. Like, do this work together. We, we can't do it alone. 
We can't do it alone. It happened in relational field. We need to do it together. But it doesn't mean leaning heavily on folks in black and brown bodies to do more emotional labor to tell white people how to fix it. Like a lot of black folks have put a lot of labor into that already. And it's already out there and available. So like really take a lot of care and, and like don't, don't ask for more. Seek out what's already there. <laughs> like, don't don't expect more labor to be done for you. You do the labor first, and then yeah, we can do it together, right? And then be vulnerable. And the be vulnerable part, I don't say just like rip ourselves open in a place that just feels more traumatizing, but to be vulnerable to go, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm willing to be in the conversation. I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to acknowledge I don't. I don't have it all, but I, I'm doing my best to learn. And for me, these things are what supported me to be able to even talk about this right now. These are the things that support us to actually be in our bodies for the conversation instead of checking out or getting really, you know, there's many ways that can happen. And by the way, when I say we, each individual human, no matter our skin color, carries the traumas of this racial injustice in different ways. There are themes and patterns. Resma talks about some of those themes and patterns, I think, in a really helpful way. So look at his work, Resna Menachem, My Grandmother's Hands. And, and so does Layla talk about that in a really helpful way. Um, and many others. And we each have our own. So like, it's not, so when I share some examples, like from my experience, I've often either checked out and gotten sort of passive aggressively angry, like, I don't want to deal with that, you know, don't talk to me, um, kind of like feeling or, or contraction or try to sweep it under the rug or get really angry, but then maybe either stuff it away, sort of passive aggression and it will blurt out later or, um, what I'm finding now is I can let myself get angry and then move that safely, like not against anyone or not hurting myself or anyone or anything. Um, but there are so many ways it can show up and each body is different. And I honor all of us in our individual journeys and this relational field we create together is part of, is like part of the healing. And it's also as we heal we're going to heal the relational space. Our capacity to be in the field together is changing. So this is the hope. I really believe there is hope. So coming back to all the stuff, there's a lot happening. And we got this. Together, we actually can go th come through what seems to be like the world crashing down around us, because in a sense it is. We are not going to be able to continue our consciousness in the old way is not going to happen. So we can either accept that and go, okay, whew, surrender into the flow of how do I need to change and heal and offer my work in the world? Or we can resist it and fight it and it can be even more uncomfortable. I choose being in this and offering hope. And I'm doing my best. So the next piece I want to offer around that is this final piece to create an environment or a habitat for hope. We have to do it together. And I'm going to speak the other really big pink elephant, orange elephant in the room. And that is we cannot currently create an environment of hope with the current administration of the federal government in the United States. It's not possible with the Trump administration. So I'm going to speak it loud and clear. The path to creating hope and, an in, and creating an environment where we can do that, and I know we all have different ideas of what that might look like. That's okay. What's really clear is if we want that, we need to care about each other, and everyone gets to be a part of it. With Trump's points of view and his, frankly, in my opinion, horrendous actions, he makes it impossible for all of those points of view to be 
present, right? There is no chance for an environment or a habitat of hope when there's racism and uh, xenophobia, right? Foreign, fear of foreigners, fear of lesbian, gay, queer, trans. Um, it's not possible. We are all in this together. So the only way we're going to be able to move through this is to change, you know, one huge big step is to change the current administration. Now, I'll also say, I know there's lots of opinions on who we would want to replace Trump, and that's okay. We can have all those opinions, but guess what, y'all? We got to align. We, as the folks that see that Trump needs to be out of office, have got to align to vote so that he is. And here's what's happening, I'm seeing. There, is, there are, in the powers that be, right, in that current administration, they are going to do everything in their power to make sure that those folks, there's so many of us who are really clear we don't want Trump in office, but there's also a mixed bag and a lot of divisiveness in that pool of people that say, I don't really want this president or da 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 So what's happening right now, I'm seeing it, and it's going to happen more. We are in the final legs of this journey towards the voting in November. What's going to happen more is, and is they're going to play on that and play on the divisiveness of getting people to fight against each other. Don't buy into it. So articles or sling, you know, trying to slam and mudslide, mud sling and all the words. I don't even know the words. I'm so not in a politics place. It was really not anything as I was growing up. But again, we didn't talk about it. We didn't. So to even talk about politics is an incredibly new thing for me. But the, what's happening is they're making sure you don't vote at all. They're going to throw so much little muddy bits into the mix that it's making people go, I don't know what to do. I don't like either candidate. I'm just not going to vote. And guess what? In 2016, that worked in their favor. So let's not let that happen again. Vote. You may not be, it may not be like your number one top pick, but when you know that you want, that you value authenticity and being able to express who you are and to feel good about that, this journey of sacred sexuality, being authentically who you are, feeling safe to express yourself, those qualities cannot happen with this administration. So I urge you, vote. Vote. Don't abstain from voting. And abstention from voting is like voting for Trump. Don't do it. (laughs) So, I got a little letter in the mail from the post office. They give a little reminder, right? So this is good. They're like, start today. This came a good week ago at least. And I agree, start today. Give yourself and your election officials ample time to complete the process. Rules and dates vary by state, so check your state. I know in Michigan, um, you still have access to request a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot. And then in Michigan, we all have the right to have an absentee ballot. You don't have to have a reason why. Just get one. So go through the process. The the United States Postal Service says give at least 15 days to ask for that mail-in ballot. I think that's far too close. By October 1st, ask for your mail-in ballot because it's going to take time. That right now, especially, things are happening with the postal delivery. It's kind of messy. So, and we don't know what November 3rd is going to hold, which is the election day. As we're in a pandemic and all of the other things that are rising up, like there's going to be stuff happening. We're also in a Mars retrograde. <laughs> this first time that it's happened in two and a half years, and it's now and has been for a few days, and it's not going to end until November 13th. Now, the good news is when it ends, there's going to be some freedom and like, Ah, we can really move forward. But that means for these next two months, month and a half, it's going to be intense. So plan ahead, get your absentee ballot so that you can fill it out and maybe hand drop it off so you don't even have to worry about the mail or you'll have plenty of time. You know, give yourself a month to get that mailed in um, or, you know, as soon as you get it, just mail it in. I don't know exactly what their timing will be to be able to mail them out. So once you get your ballot, follow the instructions, add postage, you know, do what you do. And then they said, we recommend your mail a ballot at least seven days before Election Day 
don't wait that long. Election day is November 3rd. So think like, hey, 1st of October, I better be getting my, you know, asking for my absentee ballot if I haven't already. So do it now. And then like by mid-October, need to be sending that in. Do your part to make the change. We really do all have that power. It is so easy to be rocked off center. It's so easy to collapse and think we don't have a choice or we can't do anything about it. I've felt that. I've felt that a lot in my life. I encourage you. I affirm to you, you do have it. You have that in you. Take the actions. And let's make a change so that we really can create an environment and a habitat for hope. And we can make this change together. And feel really good in our bodies. So with a breath of gratitude, we'll come back for one final closing. Live to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Leslie Blackburn has a brand new website. It's clear, authentic, and mobile friendly. Let's work together. You can find radio podcasts, videocasts, and more free resources, along with information on classes and workshops at leslieblackburn.com. Are you feeling horrified by the racial injustices and not sure what to do? Are you feeling anxious and activated, having a hard time settling? Are you ready for more pleasure as you also are doing your soul work? Join others like you. Sacred Body Circles are online monthly via Zoom and allow us to stay connected, support our own nervous system health, and trust being in our power. To meet this work together as a community and deeply listen to our bodies. As part of the Sacred Body Circles, you will receive guided experiential practices of connecting with your body and the land, ways to let go of the old stories and open to your own vital force, and much more. To participate in the Sacred Body Circles, simply join the $15 per month tier at Leslie's Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. Sign up now for instant access to the past recordings, as well as access to join us for the next one, which will be Thursday, September 24th. The address again to sign up is Patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. Leslie offers private sessions and has helped many hundreds of individuals and couples over years on their path of sacred sexuality. Sessions are available remotely by Zoom, Skype, or phone from anywhere on the planet. See details at leslieblackburn.com and reach out to set up a time. The best way to get announcements about upcoming events as well as inspirational stories, videos, and radio show archives is to subscribe to the email newsletter by clicking on the link on the website, leslieblackburn.com. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, thanks, my love. Um, so here we are. I invite you into a practice right now of ah, slowing down and listening to your body. Making a little sound, a hum. hear me talk about them but like yeah really like yeah now just stop you know as you're listening to this with your phones and doing your thing around the house like just pause like hmm feel your feet on the ground or your sit bones on the chair notice the body sensations what shows up where does it show up? How does it feel? 
take a moment to turn your head to the left and just kind of look. What, what's in your space right around you right now? What colors or shapes? What delights you as you notice your space in this moment? And then take it just a little further, like as you've turned your head relative to your shoulders to look left, can you turn your shoulders and your torso and turn at your waist to look behind you? Actually notice what's there instead of what you think is there. And notice how it feels. And then come back to center. Turn your head to the right. What colors and shapes and textures? What's there? What what can you delight in? I see a little stuffed skunk, like a little plushy skunk that I have. (laughs) And then turn at your waist to take that turn all the way so that you can see behind you. And then come back to center. And notice how that felt. Notice there may be differences on how each side feels or what you're able to notice. Take a breath and acknowledge you don't have to have all the answers. You're allowed to make mistakes. It's okay to ask questions. Trust and allow yourself to create the spaces in which you feel safe to explore unpacking and unwinding these discomforts from our body. And if you have or want additional resources, reach out for support. It's this type of guiding and listening is work that I offer folks. And reach out if you'd like that support or seek out other trauma-informed therapists or guides or somatic practitioners to support you. And with that, a breath of gratitude. Be well, and may you take this into your day and make one, make a commitment to yourself for like one edgy thing to do that you wouldn't have probably done otherwise. Have that tough conversation Do the thing to support your body to heal. Reach out to community. Whatever it is, what's the tough thing? You'll know what it is. And be sure to vote. Blessings, blessings. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. If you would like to contact Leslie, please visit her website, leslieblackburn.com. Leslie is also available for private sessions remotely, and you can find out more information about this at the website. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and have a beautiful day. Join us again next time for continued support on your path of self-realization. The power is within you to heal your body, connect deeply with others, manifest your heart's desires, and experience your deepest bliss. By our healing, we impact others, inspiring love for humanity and the planet. Thank you for joining us for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn.